Welcome to Quilting Business Success, the podcast where we interview quilters just like you who have turned their passion for quilting into a profitable long-arm quilting business. I'm your host, Andrew Weaver, and in each episode, we'll bring you stories of quilters who have the same doubts and fears that every quilter has when they think about pursuing their quilting dreams. But these quilters moved forward anyway, despite their fears, and today, you'll hear their stories. So we are now live on the Quilting Business Success podcast and webinar, and we are we're waiting for one more uh, panelist to join us tonight. Technological but, difficulties. Yes. Well, isn't that the the way of the world? Um, we uh, I am uh, Andrew Weaver, and I work here at Gamel. Um, I've got Bobby Ware with me. I'm Bobby, and uh, I work in tech support, help people with all their issues all day. So I look forward to this part of the day where we're talking about good things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll go ahead and uh, start with uh, our first guest that we have, Kimberly, and we're certainly hoping that Lorna can pop in and join us here in just a minute. But uh, let me uh, go ahead and ask you Kimberly um where where are you what, what part of the country do you live in um, I'm in Minnesota um just north of the Twin Cities okay awesome awesome um how long have you been long arm quilting uh, about almost 14 years now so yeah started 2010 uh, at the very beginning um in a quilt shop in a local quilt shop she had just opened. And um, there was one girl that started right before me. She went and took all the training and then she taught me while I was there. And um, always felt like I was getting things kind of watered down. So I took the manual home and started reading and uh, taking notes and there's how I truly got all my knowledge. <laughs> Ah, so so if I understand that correctly, so she had gotten some maybe hands-on training or gone to a class or something, and then you got it kind of secondhand, and that was just enough to be dangerous. So. Second secondhand is never quite as good as firsthand. I think so, and I, I always felt like I was missing something. So, yep, I took that book home. And I would read it. I took it on vacation, um, would call back to the shop and tell girls, try this tab, try this button. Let me know how it worked. What did you find out? And uh, so there's how we kind of all ended up growing together at the quilt shop. So, and, and how long ago did you say this was? It was at the very beginning of 2010. Okay. Okay. Yep. So... So um, was this your quilt shop that the machine was in or how, how did that work out that it was in a shop? Um, it was a brand new quilt shop and um, she had started it mostly um, wanting to be long arming with selling fabric. And mm -hmm. then um, so she really wanted long arming to be her main thing. So, mm -hmm. Well, it's hard to beat the profit margin of long arming. I mean right yeah and so did have you is this still the same uh quilting place that you're at now 
Um, no, I worked for her for seven years. And then I went back to what I was originally doing, which was cabinet making. And because um, the pay is a little bit better, it's hard to cabinet live. Cabinet making, okay. Yes. <laughs> it's hard to live on uh, quilt shop pay. But um, uh, yeah, so, and once I was back at cabinet making, about six months later, my husband says, I can tell you miss it. You really miss your long arming. And I did. He goes, you're not the same. And I go, I miss it so much. He goes, let's go get one. So hmm. we did. We ordered one and it came in October of, uh, wow, what year? 17. <laughs> um, and then that's when I started. And I did it part-time in the evenings um, and all on weekends. So that's so you went out in 2017 and got a gamel. Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. So the one that you'd used at the shop uh, mm -hmm. was a Statler? Yes. Um, she had two gamel Statlers. Um, and after her five-year mark, she decided to sell them and buy a different brand. Oh, that's an unusual thing. She Right, very unusual. Um, she was sold that they would be faster. Um, well, now you've got a, a whole team of workers trying to relearn something, different programs and everything. So we ended up, uh, I stayed for two years after that. And when I did finally time to buy, it was the Gamble. I did not like the other brand. Mm -hmm. So uh, that kind of... Uh... Well, I, I don't I have to be careful with this question because I, I, I don't want to, it's important that, you know, other machines, other mm -hmm. software systems, they have to stand or fall on their own merits. But was there something in particular about the gamble that you had worked with that um, made it obvious for you that you wanted to choose that for your own machine? The gamble is heavy duty industrial um in those five years we never had a guy have to come out and fix repair or do anything we were able to keep it clean keep it oiled and it ran beautifully you know 12 to 16 hours a day every day for those five years that she had it it's a workhorse um mm -hmm. the other machines when they came we had the tech guys out a lot. They were out fixing, repairing, um, replacing some parts. Um, mm -hmm. Excellent. It, 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 yeah, I was sold with Gamble. Mm -hmm. Well, for sure. I mean, if you're using it for a business, it puts more of an emphasis on, on the reliability, the durability of the machine. I know that when a lot of times people think, well, I'm only going to do five or 10 quilts a year. So I don't necessarily need to buy the best and, and maybe you don't. Um, but when you're going to do a lot of quilting, um, that's when it becomes really obvious. So, um, the, you know, the software was also a big thing. You know, it was gamble to me is it's, it's easy. It's logical, the process, the other one, it was a little bit 
unknown, too many unknowns. Mm -hmm. Like, why is it doing this? What do I have to get it to do? Um, it just it took more mm -hmm. even after two years that's interesting well i wanted to to detour real quickly and lorna we're excited that technology decided to cooperate with us and that we've got you here with us today um we have uh gotten uh 10 minutes or so into uh our interview with kimberly and lorna real quickly um why don't you go ahead and just uh, tell us uh, where where you are? Where's home for you? And by the way, your oh, voice wait, you're, you're muted. muted right now. Let me try to turn that microphone. There's all this technological stuff, you know. We've got to. Um, sometimes, if you click on your own screen, you might. There we go. There you go. And we're still not hearing you. Hmm. I wonder what the so if you do uh, figure yeah <laughs> well, let's go back to where we are in uh, Kimberly's story and we'll give you a minute to try to figure that out don't worry if you want to Lorna if you want to say uh, testing and if we hear you say that we will go ahead and pop in and say, oh, you got it, you got it. Yeah, because we'd like for you to be able to uh, interject in the conversation uh, if you get a chance, but mm -hmm. without being able to hear your voice, that may be difficult, so. Mm -hmm. So, um, so Kimberly, um, you started then with the, uh, with the Statler machine because that's the one you knew and were familiar with. Um, do you still have the same machine today that you got in 2015? Uh, yes, I have. Um, I bought the the long one, the 14 footer, because um, I wanted to be able to make sure that I could take on the big ones. And I'd say at some point I was doing a custom and it was taking a lot longer than I had anticipated. And my edge to edges their due dates were coming. They were coming up quickly. And my husband came down and says, boy, wouldn't it be nice if you had a second machine? And I'm like, I was thinking the same thing. Mm -hmm. So once that custom quilt was done, we really started looking for a second and we did get a second machine about two years in. So, mm -hmm. so you, uh, you bought that first machine in 2017. Um, 15. 2015. 2015? Uh, 17. I'm paying better attention than you are. <laughs> you are. No. Um, how did you uh, pay for that first machine? Um, we did a home equity, home equity loan. Uh, yep. And we had both machines paid off in four years. Mm -hmm. So, and by every, all the money that we made, paid it off, bought batting thread. It stayed totally in the business to make and no profit for those first four years, but that was okay. Cause I was working at the cabinet shop back again. And um, so then once we had the machines paid off, it was time to go full-time long arming. And I was able to now 
live the dream. <laughs> so you just took those first four years and just shoveled it right back into uh, getting your business paid off there. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Pay it all off. And then it becomes profit after that. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So when you, uh, when you, at that point, you had two 30 inch, probably uh, Statler machines, and you could operate them both at the same time. Absolutely. Yep. And uh, did you upgrade any of them from what they were originally, or are they the same? Um, they both have not necessarily an uh, upgrade, but I when I purchased them, they ha I have the light bar. To me, that was important because mm -hmm. at a lower level, um, uh, the zipper leads, those are pretty important to me. I can um, load my backings on the leaders before, you know, while one machine's running, I can load the next quilt back on leaders. When I'm done, zip it in, roll it, smooth it, and I'm ready to rock. I mm -hmm. don't have to pin. I did do the quick change feet um, on one machine, and I did the pro bobbin winder, the professional bobbin winder, so that I can wind bobbins, just set it, walk away, and keep on moving. So mm -hmm. I don't have to stand, stand there. Um, so those are the things that I've added to my machine or... So when you first started your, uh, your business and as you've progressed along, uh, in the beginning, did you, did you know, because of your previous experience in the quilting shop, did you have a good feel whether there's going to be enough customers, enough market for, for what you were going to do? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, while I was working at the, you know, the quilt shop, People started to notice me and they would come in and they'd ask for just me to do their quilts. So on the top of their order form, it was Kim quilt, Kim quilt. <laughs> so, you know, they started to definitely know when I left, there were a few sad ladies. Um, and then after, the, and I just knew that I could do it. Um, I'd run into ladies at the grocery store or wherever. And um, my advertising is I did make up cards there. When we bought our machines, we had business cards made so that when I would run into ladies in the area, hand out my cards. So very smart, very smart. And then we do um, have a little website and Facebook. And I go to guild meetings. I will go to quilt shows quilt shops, shop hops, um, the bus trips, anywhere to meet quilt ladies. What would you say is your biggest um, source of, of reaching new customers? Reaching them, it is word of mouth, but um, Google just putting my, my daughter, you know, put me on Google searches, made sure that I had my little tag or whatever. And I ask everybody, and a lot lately are Google. They found me from just internet searches. <laughs> That's funny. It's um, I was just thinking so many of my coworkers and my friends, which are the same group mm -hmm. of people, uh, they have come to realize that uh, I never hardly go anywhere without checking Google reviews. You know, uh, we're gonna say, well, where are we gonna get dinner? 
and I'll pull up and I'll, I'll sort by my Google reviews on the maps, you know, mm -hmm. and I'll say, well, you know, this place has four and a half stars and you can't go wrong with, with that. It's amazing how the internet now, um, it makes it more likely that you can find somebody that can fulfill your needs. It's really cool that way. Very true. Um, so um, at this point, you've retired from cabinet making. Yes. And how many hours a week do you work with your two Statlers? Um, about 40 hours a week. And those 40 can be any time during the day. <laughs> so um, gives me some freedom. Uh, go visit mom, lunch with the girlfriends, um, maybe work more into the night or get up early and work in jammies. So it's still about 40 hours, you know, a work week, but they're when I want to work them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, do you, um, do you do mostly edge to edge or do you do uh, some custom? What, what about that? It is mostly edge to edge. I will do one custom a month. <laughs> so they just get less. So that's like a set thing, one custom a month? One a month, yep. Okay. So that I can make sure that I get the edge to edges done. So so that's a, maybe a business tip that I want to point out to people who might, it might go back, might go past you quickly if I don't call it out and bring attention to it. What I'm hearing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but a lady calls up on the phone or she meets you with her quilt top and she says, um, how long will it take for me to get it back? And you say, well, were you thinking to have it custom or edge to edge? And the lady says, well, I was thinking about custom. And you say, well, in that case, I wouldn't be able to have it until the middle of next year. But if you wanted to have it edge to edge, it would be three weeks from now. Or is, is that what I'm hearing you say? Exactly. Yep. So I'm at about a one month turnaround for edge to edge. Um, my custom is about six months out. Mm -hmm. Right. So if they want it quick, they'll be choosing the custom or the, the edge to edge. The edge to edge. Yes. Yeah. It's um, sometimes people will ask uh, as they're building their business and as they're handling clients, they will ask, what do I do about all these people that ask me to do custom because it's squeezing out my edge to edge work and your approach of having uh, a separate calendar for each seems to work really well. And it, um, without getting in, in, into arguments with your customers about when you can have it done. Right. True. Yeah. How long does it generally take to, uh, to get one of the a custom done? Would you say average? Um, about two weeks, it, you know, there's, I mean, there's custom where it's, you know, something in the middle and just borders that still falls under my custom order. You know, I have to do something special for it. So, you know, that one might, it might be less, you know, a couple of days, but it still takes time away that I have to focus, stay on it, stay with it. Um, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, how are your rates, uh, set up, um, custom is maybe quoted individually, but how do you charge for your edge to edges? Um, by the square inch. So, um, all of my edge to edge are 
two and a half cents square inch. Um, custom starts at five cents and goes up. So, and then I give them a range, uh, you know, where I think what, you know, depending on what they ask for, you know, we'll go over, you know, how much they want. And I do give them a range. And then as we get close, you know, I'll give them a call and say, this is about where it's going to be, you know, mm -hmm. just you. And like, what would you say uh, an average um, edge to edge and uh, uh, custom, uh, like a queen size quilt would, would average? So, yep. A queen size is about 200 for edge to edge. Um, so custom, if it's very simple, 400. And it could go up to a thousand. It mm -hmm. really depends on what how much you have to put into it. What I have to do on it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Your Judy, yep. your Judy Niemeyer quilts have a lot of odd shapes, and I've got to fill in and curve. So, yep. Mm -hmm. Do you have a minimum for small quilts? My minimum is a little on the low side. <laughs> I think it's thirty-five. And I've been hearing ladies say 50, mm -hmm. but I'm still at 35 for a runner or something small. Mm -hmm. And do you, then do you keep track of like, do you have a thread charge or a per bobbin rate or something like that? I do have a thread charge and it's just a little chart. If it's between this many square inches and that many, you know, it's four, six, eight or 10. And it just depends on the size of the quilt. Mm -hmm. um, I don't like counting bobbins or trying to have to keep track. So it's just a set price for the size of the quilt. Mm -hmm. So about how many quilts would you say you do uh, per year? Per year. So my lowest year was 168. Last year was my best year at 431. So last year was a busy year for you. It really was, yes. <laughs> now, I feel like I need to add something here because a lot of people are going to uh, listen to this on the podcast. And what you don't see is that when she gave us those numbers, I can't describe her face, uh, but I think you have every reason to be proud of yourself and the work that you've done yeah. and the business that you've built. And I could see that flash across your face real quickly. And I, I just wanted to call that out for the people that can't see it. There's a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication and some ripping out quilts in the, in the late night hours when you did some quilting that you couldn't be proud of. And uh, anyway, there's a lot that goes into that. And uh, I just, saw that briefly you've done you've done a tremendous job thank you yeah um and yeah if you don't like the way it looks when it first starts for me I always stand there I watch that first six inches or you know that first square of quilting if it doesn't look like it's the right size I don't like the way it looks stop that machine rip it out now don't wait till it gets a whole row done or a whole border before you decide to rip. <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, that's that's a big one for me. I will stand there, watch it, 
and make sure I'm happy. <laughs> okay, I can uh, I I can see you just answered possibly one of the questions I was going to ask later, which is what is something that you wish someone would have told you when you first started? One of them is that uh, pause it if you don't love it. Don't let it do the entire row before you decide to get rid of it. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and pause it. Run around to the back. Check your tension. Make sure you're happy. And if tension looks great, you love the size, press continue and move on. Yep, keep on going. Um, um, is there something else that you wish someone would have told you when you first started? Um, first started, I can say no. <laughs> At the quilt shop, we couldn't say no. We took every quilt. We did every single quilt. Um, sometimes the the job's just not for you it's you know someone else can do it better you know maybe it's a project that truly needs to be freehand I don't freehand feathers I will freehand a meander or a scribble to fill in a background but I can't freehand I haven't practiced <laughs> freehanding a feather to fit around something beautifully so that's not a project that I'll take we're mm -hmm. at the quilt shop. We we took everything and we had to figure it out. And sometimes they just weren't as pretty as I would want. And I can say no. <laughs> well, I'm I'm pleased to say that Lorna has been successful. Uh, yes, we have audio. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you fine now. Great. I had to change Lorna, the voices. <laughs> I'm glad you finally got through. Um, I just want to tell you that it's, we're, we're going to continue talking to Kimberly for a little bit more, but you are welcome to jump in if you feel like there's something you want to add to the conversation that we're having with her. But, but what we're going to do is we will, uh, uh, we'll kind of get to a, a stopping place with Kimberly and then we'll, uh, we'll start with you. Just ask you a few questions. Uh, so just relax. And uh, if you feel like you, you want to jump into our conversation, feel free to jump into Kimberly. Same for you. When we start talking to Lorna, you can, uh, uh, if you feel like you have something to add to that conversation also. Okay. Perfect. Sounds great. So I have a, a couple other questions, um, Kimberly about the, um, about the services that you offer. Um, Sometimes people will sell batting, uh, they'll sell wide back fabric or other things. Do you have some of those things to help people complete their projects? Um, yep, I do offer batting. So I have Hobbs 8020 and then I have warm and natural and warm and white. Um, mm -hmm. I will, I bind for people. I will piece their backs. Um, I have pieced a couple of t-shirt quilts, but found that I just don't have time anymore. So I have a real good friend that I refer them to. She will piece t-shirt quilts for ladies and then I'll quilt them. So we just kind of work together. Mm -hmm. Some of the people that do uh, t-shirt quilts as a, I've met people who that's the core of their business is t-shirt quilts. And I think like anything else, when you do it all the time, you get really good at it. Right. Um, what was the hardest part of growing your business? You, you got big enough to get a second machine in two years. 
what, but what was the hard part for you? Uh, I think that February is always a little slow for me for some reason. So that first February was kind of scary. You know, you're like, okay, I'm down to the last quilt in my lineup. What do I do? And as soon as I said it out loud, the phone rang and it, we were right back on track. So there's always that, okay, am I going to have enough work? Even, no. if you, even if you don't say it out loud and you think it, it happens. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> yep. I walked upstairs and I'm going, honey, I'm on the last quilt. And he goes, it's okay. We're fine. Maybe you take a day to do something for yourself. <laughs> nope. The phone started ringing. <laughs> Well, if you did want to take a vacation, February is a great time to do it. Yeah. Um, can you think of one change in technology that makes it easier today than when you started uh, at the very beginning? Um, I did purchase the Machine Quilters Business Manager program to mm -hmm. help me with, you know, tracking everything. And for me, that's been a great thing. The first year, year and a half, I think I just had, I had a dry erase board up on the wall. I would enter the quilts on the board. I had paper, um, just that tracking things. Yeah, that this program, I look professional. I have receipts. I can look back and record everything, find everything. I know how much batting I use in a year. Um, it just makes everything a lot. Mm -hmm. So what, what software do you It was use? called Machine Quilters Business Manager. Mm -hmm. yep. okay. uh, for me, that was pretty awesome. That, that's a significant piece of information. A lot of the people watching, there, there's a lot of people watching this program and listening that either are starting a business of their own or are thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And those little details like that is something that they, they listen up for. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, uh, Kim is, uh, you know, in light of all the people that are listening uh, to us right now, who would you say is your, has been your biggest uh, cheerleader throughout all this? Well, my husband, for sure. Because he gave me, I knew that was going to be one. Yep, he gave me previous. the family room for my business, not the very, very basement. So I'm not in a dungeon. I have two big windows, <laughs> um, and of course, my daughter. She helped me with the website, with all the Facebook things. Um, just anything like that, the social media part. Those youngsters are so good when it comes to the electronic part, isn't it? Yeah, she did a pretty good job. You know, I just send her pictures and say, put something on Facebook. <laughs> um, I, I can do it, but why not? Let's use the kids, make them do it. <laughs> um, you know, um, friends, family, everybody's really been there for me. Um, sister shares every post. I, you know, well, and I knew um, when you said the part about earlier in the interview about uh, your husband kind of looked at you and said, you miss it, don't you? I knew that he was going to be one of those big cheerleaders. Yeah, yeah, he, he knew it. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's great. So obviously, as you've done this, um, you know, it's 
taken the place of your uh, previous career or your previous job, um, how has the impact from your quilting earning and the ability to schedule your work, how has that had an impact on your life? Uh, it's, I'd say it's pretty awesome. Um, I don't have to ask for time off. I can just schedule it myself. Um, we've done two-week vacations, road trips. We circled the United States um, for two weeks. We just had a blast as a family. Um, didn't have to schedule that with, uh, you know, a business owner. It was just... Um, what is something that you wish someone would, oh, wait, I asked you that question already at, way out of order. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. What advice would you give to someone who wants to do what you've done? Uh, do it, <laughs> just do it. Um, it, there's some hard work, uh, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, find information wherever you can take any class watch every video um for me the help button on my screen is pretty awesome there yeah i i do love the manual i know that <laughs> i will read it i have read it um and if you forget it you just go back you can just find it reread it you know, because there's things that we don't do every day. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Kim, and hearing you say that, that that rings true with the uh, a lot of the other people that we've talked to that knowledge and uh, and learning is is so important. And, um, you know, I, I believe we we have available now uh, a lot of the, uh, the uh, mm -hmm. video courses, um, you know, much more available. Uh, now than probably when you were when you were doing it uh, so I would it, and I think you probably would agree with me that I would encourage uh, all the people who are either starting out or getting ready to start out to gain as much uh, information and teaching as you possibly can to be the best you can be and I, Absolutely. I, uh, I forgot to mention it earlier but uh, for those who have been watching and have questions in your uh, in your mind about uh, some of what we're talking about today, there is a little button down at the bottom. Uh, on my screen, it's called Q&A. Uh, it might also be called chat or something like that. And you can click on that and um, type in your question. And as we get an opportunity, we will certainly work it in. Um, Kim, uh, I have just one question left for you before we switch gears and uh, start from the top again with Lorna. And, and that is uh, for, for that young quilter who's thinking about maybe taking the leap and doing what you've done. Um, you know, you started in 2017. The economy was different. Uh, there were some things that were different between now and then. Uh, if somebody wanted to start today, is there anything special standing in their way or can they just do the same things you did? I think they can do it. Um, I don't think there's anything standing in our way. Um, what was it last week? You interviewed that very young girl. She got in there and 
she used Instagram. Um, she really mm -hmm. just exploded with Instagram. I think the younger ones have a few things that we can learn from. <laughs> we can try, you know, so mm -hmm. I think the younger generation definitely has a good chance of getting in there and going for it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And don't, don't forget that, um, you know, if, if you need to feel the, the uh, desire to add comments as we're going through with Lorna, feel free to chime right in because it's not just, uh, I mean, we're here all on the same screen together. Okay. So Lorna, um, how, how, wait, I never even got to the first question with her. We need to find out uh, who, who this lady is and where she's from. Besides technically challenged. <laughs> oh no, that te technological challenges are an ever-present thing in our world. So do not feel bad about that. We want you to be able to relax and yeah, don't worry about that. We're glad we got you on now. I'm from a small town just 15 miles across the Canadian-US border in British Columbia called Oliver, actually. Andrew has actually been to my place. Yes, I have. I was excited to see your name come up on the on the list for today. So um, go ahead. I haven't seen any Canadians, so I thought, well, I'll throw my name in the hat and see if you're interested in a Canadian point of view. Yes. yes. Well, you're always up north looking down on us from there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Lorna, how long have you been long arm quilting? Um, well, the first time was, what did I say, 15 years ago. I had a lady friend buy a, actually, she bought a, I'll answer both questions at the same time. She bought a grace frame with a domestic machine. And I put it together and then said to her, this is not going to work for you to quilt quilts for other people. And I had a different friend who had a gamel. And I said, if you want to buy a quilting machine to make a business out of it, this is what you need. So we put it together and she bought it and paid for it. And I had it in my quilt shop for a number of years. And then I sold her the quilt shop. So I went and did some traveling and what have you. And she ran the quilt shop, but her health wasn't well. So she ended up moving the gamel home. And eight years ago, she passed away and I bought the gamel from her estate. So it's the same one I started on. I just had a little bit of a gap. So when you first started, you, you were you were working at a quilting shop? I, I owned a quilt you shop, owned, yes. You started out owning a quilt shop. Yes. Well, and you're in your shop right now, as a matter of fact. No, I'm no? in my studio in my basement. Oh, okay. All right. I don't have, I don't have a quilt shop anymore. Okay. Well, when I'm you came just... to visit me, Andrew, remember it was in a garage. I misjudged what I was seeing uh, behind your shoulder. Oh yeah, no, this is this is my my uh, little lady cave. <laughs> awesome, little lady. Awesome. So, uh, when you got this machine uh, originally, the first time, um, it was so your your friend had this other machine, and obviously, it wasn't going to be able to do quilts for customers. Um, no. So you got it specifically for that purpose, the gamma. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so with all the different brands that are, are available, and I know in Canada, there's several other brands available. Um, why was Gamel the choice for you? Well, there weren't that many brands available back in, in 2008. 
And because I had a different girlfriend that had a gamel, when she had her gamel delivered to her place, actually Paul Statler came with them and explained the Statler system to her and everything. That's how long ago she's had it. But it was just, to me, it was, it was a slam dunk. There was nothing that, that looked like it would break on the machine. The, the um, stand itself was extremely stable. The bars weren't going to sag in the middle at any time. And it was the way to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, at that point, it was a very early uh, Statler because it came yes. delivered by Paul. Uh, do you have um, the same, it's the same exact machine today. Have you done upgrades or changes to the computer system or software? It wasn't this machine that was delivered by Paul. It was my girlfriend's. Oh, oh okay. All right. Missed that. Um, yes, I've upgraded the computer system. I bought a new computer, I think seven years ago, because I didn't dare turn the old one off because it wouldn't turn back on again. So getting a new computer allowed me to upgrade to um, CS7, which was so different from CS, what is it? Was it four? I don't even think I saw five or six, but we went from, oh no, I did see six, but we went from four to six to, to seven. And it's been just such a dramatic difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how did you know there was enough long arm business available in your town uh, way back then with that first machine um, for, for you to support yourself? Well, didn't really, and um, I there was a st- very strong quilting guild, and at the time I was quite happy being in my own little world in my store, and so that was just an automatic add-on to the store, and uh, yeah, so we just did it. I mean, my girlfriend, because she paid for it, it was easy for me to say, sure, let's do it. I don't have a problem. <laughs> I had the room, and she had the money. Right. You moved a few bolts of fabric from over here to over there to make room for it. Right. Yeah. And so how did you, um, how did you grow or increase your customer base at that time? Basically it was customers coming into the store going, Oh, you have a long arm, you know, what do you charge? Like what's your turnaround time, that sort of thing. And it just sort of grew from there. Mm -hmm. And have you done, do you do uh, any, um, like electronic advertising or you stay pretty much word of mouth? What about that? I do Facebook. I do Facebook. I have a Facebook account under my business name and everything. I saw that, yeah. And we have um, the country register up here. I know down in the States, the country register is mostly tea shops up in Canada. It's all quilt shops and fabric stores. So it's pretty cool that you pick that up and you can see every quilt shop in British Columbia pretty much. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you got this machine, uh, where did you find the money to purchase it? Well, that's another interesting little story. Because we knew the machine was for sale and um, Heather's son phoned me and said, would you like to buy it? And I just sort of giggled and said, yeah, I have no room and I have no money. I lived in an 1100 square foot condo when it was like that. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. And a girlfriend of mine said, well, I have the money. And I have a garage, so let's buy the quilting machine. So we did. I She used her line of credit, which she wasn't using. I paid back the line of credit until it was paid off. I paid the interest and everything for it, and I quilted in her garage. Wow. And were you, did you have any other job at that time, or is, is that? Yes. 
Yes, at the time I was working five days a week at a, at a store here in town. I still work there, but only four days a week and hopefully no days a week soon. <laughs> gotcha. So it, it's, that's what, so what, what are you doing now? You're, you're, I'm, I, I'm an office person in a department store. Okay. Okay. So you're, you still do both. Absolutely. Okay. Excellent. So do you work while the machine is working? I mean, you start a row and then you go back to your laptop or. I, yeah, I either go back to my laptop or back to my sewing machine or yeah, whatever I have happened to be going at the moment. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Like they're only three feet from each other. So. <laughs> so as far as your quilting, um, how many hours a week would you say you put in to quilting? I probably do about 30 hours a week. You stay pretty busy, don't you? I do. Mm -hmm. Do you do custom quilting as well or just edge to edge? I do. Yeah, I do do custom. I don't get very many because it's too expensive, but I do the occasional one. I did Judy Niemeyer was my last one. Mm -hmm. and, and it was pricey. Mm -hmm. So how do you do your rates? I know that, um, that Canadian pesos aren't worth as much as American dollars, but... So. Yeah, I charge by the square foot, not by the square inch. I know that some people up here have converted to the square inch, but I just find it easy and my customers understand square foot. So that works out. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it we, I, we are actually less expensive up here than you guys are down there. So if there were Americans across the border that wanted to bring quotes up here, they'd really save money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm well, they just, they just, your business they right there. don't seem to want to pay it. They don't understand. <laughs> um, so how, what is your rate for um, like a queen size in, in, I guess it's hard to look at the percent um, price when it, most of us are thinking in inches and you're thinking in square feet, which is 144 square inches. But um yeah. What would an average queen size quilt be in Canadian dollars? It's about one hundred and eighty-five dollars. Mm, that is pretty affordable for an from an American point of view. Absolutely, with, especially with the dollar being what it is, it would be very affordable. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the different what uh, what is the uh, I don't know. I think that's something like one hundred and twenty. Right yeah, it's about thirty-five cents right now. Mm -hmm. So. So uh, an American dollar will buy you a dollar thirty-five in Canadian pesos. Yep, dollar thirty, dollar thirty-five. Yep. 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 Um, but, but grocery prices are the same. We used to go down across the line and get groceries in the states, and we don't anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very interesting thing when you're close to the border like that. You can buy things on whichever side is more affordable. Um, do you? Uh, do you have a minimum uh, charge for a small quilt? I do. I have a $50 minimum and I am pretty hard and fast that I stick to it. Mm -hmm. And do you have a thread charge that's separate or is that all no. inclusive? No, I don't charge a thread charge or a loading fee or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I think your hand might've covered your microphone there because um, oh, you sorry. went out at just the end, but we did get your answer. Um, how about things like um, like selling batting? What battings do you have available for sale? I do, I do sell Hobbs 8020. 
and I have black and the cream color, and I also have um, the wool, mm -hmm. the Hobbs wool. Mm -hmm. um, and things like uh, binding a quilt or piecing the backing for people or making a t-shirt quilt, do you get into those things? I try not to do t-shirt quilts. I have done a couple memory quilts, but they had jeans in them instead of t-shirts, which was a little easier. But um, I do do binding for other people. Absolutely. And piecing their backings. Yep. Mm -hmm. So uh, how many quilts uh, per year do you, would you say you did like at the beginning of when you started and versus now? I would say at the beginning, it was probably between 50 and 60 quilts the first year. And then after that, it, like now I do about 150 working four days a week and, and doing this part time. Mm -hmm. Hopefully that'll jump up after I've retired. Mm -hmm. um, what, um, what would your backlog be right now? I mean, if somebody said, hey, I, I have this uh, quilt that I need to get done as soon as possible. Is that a couple weeks or a month or two? Uh, it's probably a couple weeks that I could sneak it in. I just I'm just finishing a customer that brought me 18 quilts at once. So I did four, four of hers and then two of somebody else's and four of hers and two, two of somebody else's. So I try to keep it to about six weeks, no more than six weeks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What was the hardest part of growing your business? Um, probably wondering whether I was going to have any business and then wondered whether I was going to have enough time to get it all done. <laughs> Those two are very separate <laughs> concerns, aren't they? They are, they are. And I was a little bit worried that it was going to take me a whole lot longer to pay off the machine than, than what I had spent on it and thought I might be crazy, but they just keep coming. So we, we talk to people a lot of times that are uh, either getting ready to or in the beginning stages of uh, doing a business. And that, that thing that we just touched on is oftentimes one of their major worries or fears is about... Uh, getting business um you got any like gems of wisdom uh, that you would say to somebody that's just starting out and they don't know i would say to find out what your competition is doing and don't worry about the competition just do what they do but do it better if you have to mark your prices down a little bit when you first start so that you're less than they are so people start coming to you instead and you'll with the statler there isn't anything you can't do and if they're doing hand-driven or whatever, I know there's another lady here in town that does hand-driven and she's more expensive than I am and she can't do what my statler can do. So it doesn't bother me. Mm -hmm. So I would just say, find out what your competition can do and just do it better. Maybe do it a little bit less expensive for a while and you'll get customers. Mm -hmm. Um. So who's been your biggest cheerleader? Who's your support system? Well, I would have to say it was my friend Margaret who said, I've got the money if you've, and I've got the space if you're willing to do it. And my husband, he does most of the housekeeping. He does most of the laundry. That's why I'm able to work, you know, 30 hours at my job and 30 hours at home because he is really supportive. And he has no problem with me going downstairs all the time. He gave up his man cave when we moved here because I had to find a place to put the machine 
from the garage because my girlfriend wanted to move into a, um, a senior's complex. So the only place we could put it was in the garage or in the basement, which meant he gave up his man cave. And I appreciate that. And he doesn't mind if I just say, I'm going downstairs. See you later. Now that's a good husband giving up his man oh, he's, cave. He's a great husband. He did give up his man cave, but I don't complain when he watches sports and he would do that 24 <laughs> seven. If I let him. <laughs> I, I can relate a little bit. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> the, this question is a little bit different for you because you still have a 30-hour-a-week uh, job that ties you down. Um, but obviously, the quilting money and the control of your personal schedule, uh, what kind of impact has that made in your life? It's been huge because I started out working full-time, eight hours a day, and I'm down to six hours a day, four days a week. And um, now going to be able to retire and still have an income coming in from the machine. So it's allowed me to just kind of ease out of the workforce and, and come into my little playroom and, and just enjoy myself all day long. And mm -hmm. I think that coming in the new year when I retire, that'll even be just more fun. And it's also allowed us to buy a motorhome and, you know, we're planning a little bit of traveling and, and that sort of thing. So it should be great. Mm-hmm. And when you mentioned uh, re retiring earlier, um, do you foresee yourself uh, staying about the same amount of quilting or increasing, or what? what do I you hope think? it increases. I hope it increases a little bit more. Um, I don't plan to take a whole lot of time away from the machine as far as traveling and what you know, maybe a month or or you know that through the year. But I hope it increases a little bit more and turnaround is faster. And, Mm -hmm. what is something that you wish someone would have told you that would have helped you at the very beginning of all this well it would have helped me at the very beginning of of opening up a quilt shop and it also would it would have helped with the quilting machine although I already knew it when I bought the quilting machine is that although you might have a strong guild in your community it doesn't necessarily mean to say that they're automatic customers you know, you have you have to work to win them over and and they're they're not as easy as you think because they already know all the quilting connections and they already have a long arm quilter. So you have to make your presence known and and offer a few bargains. And, and like I for a long time, I did um, their charity quilts for free. Just so that I got some good faith with the guild so that people would start bringing me quilts from there because they're pretty entrenched in what they already do. So you can't necessarily rely on them. Although I was surprised when I went to the quilt show that there were about 30 quilts with my name on them, but they were all from the same 10 ladies. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, even if you have a strong guild in your community, you still have to work hard for their business. Mm -hmm. It's not an automatic. Mm -hmm. Wise words. And w when you started this journey many years ago, you know, you, you remember those early days if you um, were to, you know, talk to somebody uh, who's who's trying to start out right now, and there there's a lot of, you know, we're we're looking at uh, all different generations that are that are coming into the quilting uh, area, but if you were to talk to somebody who's starting out who didn't have the knowledge that you have right now, 
and they're just right at the beginning. What would, uh, what would you say would be some of your main advice for them? Make sure you pay yourself first. Don't, don't give too much away. Make sure that you're taking in um, money for everything that you do. If, even if you're piecing it back or whatever, make sure that's on the invoice because if you start giving things away at the beginning, people will expect it all the way through. Don't shortchange yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, we have got to the end of our questions and I think it has been really interesting to hear what both of you have done, the, the businesses that you have built and, it has. It has. and the success that you've had. Um, I certainly hope that uh, I hope that hearing your stories will help other people as they are trying to figure out what kind of business they want to build and what kind of future they want to have. Um, the, the podcast is something that people can subscribe to on, um, you know, that way you make sure that you catch every single episode. And so that can be subscribed to. And now we're putting them with video on YouTube. And so if you'd like to see them on YouTube, you can see them there. And I think there's a subscribe button there as well. But I want to thank both of you very much for yeah, and I also uh, wanted to give both of you a chance. Uh, if how can uh, people get in touch with you? Where would they go online, uh, Kimberly? Uh, Kimmy's Longarm Quilting. <laughs> um, dot com. Um, on Facebook. Um, yep, you can find me. All right. What about you, Lorna? Um, I'm quilting by Marlowe. And it was interesting, just the derivative of that name. My girlfriend's name was Margaret. So that's how we came up with the Marlowe. And we were partners as long as she owned part of the machine, we were partners. And my husband's name is Mark. And so he became the Mar and Marlowe. So yeah, it's Quilting by Marlowe on Facebook. Excellent. Thank you. Well, um, thank you everybody for joining us this evening. And uh, I hope that... Uh, that this is as good for everybody who listens and uh, join us back here next week. Um, same time, uh, Tuesday at 7 PM central, and we'll have a couple of new guests and thank you so much. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for joining us today on quilting business success. We hope you've been inspired by these stories of quilters, just like you who have turned their dreams into reality. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. One of the best things you can do to support us is to write a glowing review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you're using to listen to the show. Those reviews help bring us up in the algorithm so that more quilters are exposed to our show. What would you like to change in your life, and what steps can you take today to bring you closer to the life that you want?